Good evening. A warm welcome to the service this evening. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that at the end of this your day, we are able to gather together as your people in the name of Jesus. We thank you that we have the calling that we'll sing in just a moment in the, the psalm, that we are to lift our eyes uh, from this world and, and look to you. And we pray that you would help us this evening to do that. You know how many distractions there can be. You know how full our minds can be, our, how full our lives can be. Uh, you know, Lord, how uh, much we are in need of you. And so we pray that you would meet with us and that this hour would be a, a holy hour. Create in us, we pray, that sense of expectation that we would truly meet with you. That's your promise that where two or three meet together in your name, you will be with us. And we thank you for each other that as we look around, we see each other. But we pray, Lord, that we would know uh, that you are close, that we would hear your voice, that we would sense your presence. And as we open our mouths, that we would sing your praise from our hearts. So hear our prayers, take away our sin, and lead us and guide us, that we may be in the Spirit on the Lord's day, that we may give you the worship that you are due. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, 
Ich bin ein 
the Queen of Neda, look at she is, and that you, I can have my show. Now you would see the if you could turn down your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13. Uh, we looked briefly at the first few verses of this a couple of uh, weeks ago, but we'll read the whole of uh, this chapter. This is God's Word. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarrelling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zohar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's pray as we turn back to Genesis 13. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you that in these chapters we see we see something, uh, we learn lessons about uh, what it looks like to walk with you. Uh, we thank you that you're the God who has, who has made us to, to walk with you. We see it in the, the Garden of Eden before sin came in. Adam and Eve walking uh, with the Lord in that perfect communion. And then as we see sin come into the world, uh, their walk is is distanced. Uh, the blessing that once was known uh, was broken and there was uh, trouble, there was difficulty. We thank you that in our sin you saw us 
And we thank you that such was your love for us, Father, that you sent Jesus from heaven to this world to be our saviour, to take our sin away. And yet we know that uh, as Christians, if we are Christians, we still struggle with sin. Uh, as we sang, we know the reality of these words, words that uh, there are sins which grieve you, which we confess day by day. There are idols which get in the way of our walk with you that we need day by day to be smashing. And so we pray that you would help us uh, to walk close with you and help us to see the privilege that we have of being able to walk close with you. Uh, help us to, to not lose or to rediscover, perhaps for some, the sense of wonder at the God who created all things, the God who holds all things together, uh, the God who, who sought us and, and saved us, did not just save us from sin and from a lost eternity, but saved us into that walk that we can have day by day where there is blessing and there is joy. So grant to us, we pray, that close walk with God. Grant to us the, the joy or the rediscovery of the joy of your salvation and enable us, we pray, uh, to know your blessing in this hour uh, and each day as you call us to come close to you. So hear our prayers. Help us, Lord, uh, to listen now to your voice as we read the scriptures. Speak to us, we pray, and uh, open our hearts to what you have to say. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 13, as we continue uh, this uh, study in the life of uh, Abram, who becomes Abraham. And uh, just a quick recap, very, very quick recap in terms of where we've got to. Uh, we uh, started in, in Genesis 12 there, we restarted in Genesis 12, and in Genesis 12 we see there uh, that Abram, who is miles away from God, uh, has no thought of God, comes from uh, people who have uh, nothing to do with God, his soul is awakened, uh, God comes to him and uh, calls him uh, to follow him. And Abram, he hears the call of God, uh, he believes the promises of God, and he starts to follow. So to use the phraseology of the last hymn, he, he's, he's walking with God. But already there's been some bumps in the road. Uh, already he's taken a wrong turn or two. So we see Egypt and all that happened there. And already we could pause and just take in the application of that. Uh, because if we are walking with God, we, we know the reality of these things. Uh, uh, sometimes when we're uh, seeking to follow the Lord, uh, we can lose our bearings. Sometimes we can, we can fall behind him. He calls us on. Sometimes we can get excited and run ahead of him and find ourselves in places that we weren't supposed to be. Uh, sometimes we can't see the way that he's leading us. And sometimes we can see the way that he's leading us, but we don't want to go that way. We can see a better way in our own minds. And so we, sometimes even willfully, we get off course. And Abraham has already been off course in Egypt. But as Genesis 13 uh, begins, we see Abram and he is back in the right place, the place that God has shown him, and he is doing the right thing. He's seeking to follow uh, God as, as the Lord guides him. And it's always a question that we should uh, allow ourselves to be asked 
Uh, am I in the right place? Spiritually speaking. Am I in the right place? Uh, doing the right thing. That, that's a prayer that we should often pray. But be careful with it. Because it's a prayer that can change the whole direction of your life. But Abraham, he, he finds himself now and uh, he's in the right place uh, as God has led him. He's doing the right thing as he seeks to be guided by God. And what I'd like to think about tonight in the, the time that we have, it's good to see the young ones here. We'll be finished by seven. And uh, I want to think in the time that we have uh, about uh, guidance. How we are guided and lessons that we can learn, lessons that we can import from Abraham's life into our lives as we uh, seek to follow the Lord. So the first point that I want to highlight is, uh, is prayer. Uh, the first thing that we, that we need to see as those who are asking the Lord to guide us is uh, we, we need to be in prayer. And that's where we find Abraham at the, the beginning of this chapter. Uh, look at verses 1 to 4. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Which is another way of saying he prayed. He's been in Egypt, as we glance back. He'd set his own course for a while. He'd headed away from the land that God showed him because of the famine. And because of the direction that Abram himself decided to go, he, he ran into all kinds of trouble in Egypt. But now, as the chapter begins here, he's repented. He's changed direction, literally. Uh, He's now, verse 3, back to where he'd been earlier. He's at the altar. He calls in the name of the Lord. And so he's in prayer. So this chapter begins. And if we fast forward to the very end of it, you'll see it ends uh, with prayer. And the application here is is not complex, um, but it is crucial. If we are going to follow the Lord... If we are going to be people who, who, who know the way the Lord would have us go. If we are those who, who, who actually want to seek the Lord's guidance and, and go the way that we, he, he would direct us. We, we need to be those who are, who are calling on the name of the Lord in prayer. And that's true for us as individuals. It's true for us as a congregation. I was thinking back a little. And I think this month will be eight years uh, since we began our, our journey as a congregation and, and you were a congregation before I came in but when it began there were no buildings we didn't have this uh, when we began there was no money you didn't take any and yet there was that clear recognition that we need the Lord we, we need his guidance it was an acute sense of that and so my memory, as I go back to the very beginning, was, was prayer meetings were absolutely jam-packed full. And there was that sense of God's presence. There was that sense of, of excitement, that sense of dependence uh, on the Lord. Now, if we fast forward now eight years to the present tense, we have buildings for which we're thankful. And we have uh, some money for which we're thankful 
but we have no less need day by day of the Lord's guidance and direction and strength and life. So we need to be careful not to neglect prayer. That's the point. Let us be careful, whatever we do, not to neglect prayer, both corporate prayer in the prayer meeting and private prayer in the secret place. So this begins, as Abram is is seeking the Lord's guidance, it begins with prayer. And I want to just underline a phrase before I move on from this point. And uh, it's a phrase that we we find in verse 3. And it tells us that Abram went to the place where his tent had been earlier. So he's been away from God for a period. He set his own course for a period. But then as the Lord deals with him and disciplines him uh, in great love, he's brought back to the place where he had been earlier. And there are times in our lives where the Lord will ask us to go back to the place where we had been earlier. I was thinking about the the, the church in in Ephesus. In fact, turn there for a moment to Revelation uh, chapter 3. In fact, Revelation chapter 2, sorry. And in this section in Revelation, we have uh, letters to various churches. Jesus writes uh, letters uh, to various churches. And uh, there's a letter that goes to the church in Ephesus. This is a church that was a big church. It had a a good reputation. And we have there in verse 1, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. And have not grown weary. All these things are commendations, encouragements for the, for, for the, the Christians as they gathered in Ephesus. Yet, says Jesus, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. So Jesus, the great physician, is looking in the door of this church and he's, he's saying, there's an illness in Ephesus. And the illness was that they had forsaken the love that they had at first for Jesus. So what was the solution? What was the medicine? Well, look at verse 5. Consider says Jesus, how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first. Go back to where you had been earlier. That's what Jesus was saying to them. You need to remember the things you did at first. When you first came to know me. Remember the time, says Jesus, when you had the thrill of salvation. You had that sense of Hour by hour of the fact that you are saved. Saved from hell. Saved secure with this place in heaven. Uh, Remember the joy that gripped your life when you first began to walk with me. The blessedness that there was. Remember, says Jesus to the the Christians in, in Ephesus. Remember when your love for me was so hot. When you were reaching out to everybody around you to tell them about me. 
when you couldn't be kept away from the door of a prayer meeting, never mind uh, having to be coaxed in. Remember that, says Jesus. And it's something that the Lord Jesus says to us, even as we look at the life of Abraham. He, Abraham is told, uh, or he's brought back to the place where his tent had been earlier. Perhaps for some of us, that's a, a word tonight. The Lord is saying to us, I want to take you back to where you used to be. And it's prayer that takes us there. It's that time with God and prayer that, that takes us there. I mean, think again about the words of the hymn writer uh, who, who's lamenting the loss of a close walk with God. Where is the blessedness in you? He says. When first I, I sought the Lord, where is the soul refreshing view of Jesus and his word? What peaceful hours I once enjoyed, how sweet their memory still. They've left an aching void. The world can never fill. Not with money, not with power, not with hobbies, not with whatever it is that's gripping us. Then there's the prayer. Return, O holy dove, return, sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. So he's repenting. The dearest idols I have known, the things that are filling his hands and filling his mind, whatever that idol be, help me to tear it from thy throne and worship only thee. So shall my walk be close with God, calm and serene my frame, so a purer light shall mark the road that leads me to the Lamb. So Abram, we find him back where he was uh, at first. He's back to the place where he'd been earlier and uh, he's calling on the name of the Lord. He's in prayer as he seeks the Lord's guidance. The same thing we can note here is there are problems. Just because he's back in the right place, doing the right thing, doesn't mean everything's going to be smooth. There's problems. Now Lot, verse 5, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So there's problems, tensions, divisions, friction. Enemies who are, who are watching uh, on the sidelines to see, can they exploit this situation? And I want us to note, first of all here, uh, what caused the problems? And the thing that caused the problems... It wasn't poverty, uh, it was prosperity, which is kind of ironic. Because remember, Abram, he, he veers off the track that God would have him be on because he's fearful of poverty. He, he, he goes to the place that the Lord showed him, and, and when he gets there, there's a famine in the land. He says, this is problems. I need to go somewhere where there's not a famine. So he, he sees Egypt. There's no famine in Egypt. So, so he heads there into uh, Egypt. And what we actually discover was that in Egypt, that's where there was problems. So Abraham's logic is poverty equals problems. But the Lord's logic actually is prosperity equals problems for Abraham. So now we see Abraham and Lot. And uh, they're in the right place. Uh, they are uh, rich in flocks and tents and herds and possessions, and they're falling out now. 
Because the land isn't big enough for both of them. They've got too much stuff. Too many beasts. So they're doing the, the kind of island crofter thing of arguing about fences and boundaries and sheep and, and cattle. And they just can't get on. And their, their neighbours, uh, who are always ready for the attack, are watching the situation closely because they're thinking, well, if these two turn on each other, uh, we can get in here and we can really cause some trouble. So there's all kinds of problems. And there's a couple of lessons here in, in application. And the first uh, lesson is, is concerning what happens after we repent. You know, when we, when we veer off the Lord's will as Abram did, when we move into this, the territory of sin, uh, as we, we know that we do, and then we repent, we confess our sin, then the promise of God is we are forgiven. Uh, our sin, as far as the east is from the west, they're taken away from us. We're cleansed of our sin. That's the truth. But the thing is, our sin, even though it's cleansed, even though it's been taken out of our account, our sin often has consequences. Our forgiven sin can still be the cause of problems. And so we see that in in Abraham's life. He's back where he should be with the Lord, but he's back with a whole lot of stuff that he's picked up on the way. And that stuff's going to cause a whole lot of problems. We could think about the life of David as well, the psalmist. He sins uh, in adultery. He confesses his sin. Psalm 51, Psalm 32. He's forgiven his sin. But he has a whole lot of problems in his, in his family life after his sin. Even though it's cleansed. Because sin has consequences. And these can often come in the forms of problems. And the second thing we can maybe note here in way of application is just because we encounter problems doesn't mean we're on the wrong track. Because that's so often what our mind tells us. That's what uh, the enemy would tell us. We know this from our own experience. You know, when things are going fine, we think, we think God must be happy with us. But then when we get into a situation where we're facing problems, when things start to go wrong, very often our first instinct is to say, I must be out of God's will. This must be happening because I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing, because I'm getting off track. But Abraham wasn't off God's will. He, he was in God's will, but still there was problems. And that's something that we have to get into our minds, that we have to get into our heads. The prosperity gospel is nonsense. Follow Jesus and have no problems, health, wealth, happiness. That's, that's lies, that's heresy, that's rubbish. Jesus told us, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. There's going to be a cost. There will be problems. In this world, says Jesus in John 16, uh, you will have trouble. You will have problems. But take heart. Because I, says Jesus, have overcome the world. One commentator, Eveson, says, The life of faith is rarely straightforward. Now that fellowship with God has been restored, it did not mean the end of frustrating and testing experiences. So Abram, he encounters problems. And we will encounter at times, if we are following God, if we are seeking to follow uh, his guidance, if we are walking his way, guaranteed... The world, the flesh, the devil will, will unite to cause us problems. So don't be overly perturbed. 
when you and I hit problems. Uh, we'll sing at the end, Do thy friends despise forsake thee? And sometimes they do. Is there trouble anywhere? Nothing there is. We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Prayer and problems. Third thing is providence. So we see Abram and uh, Lot uh, coming to a solution in verses 8 uh, to verse uh, 13. Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zohar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. There's a dispute here over land and who's going to get to go where and where the boundaries are and where the fences are going to go up. And uh, there's a whole lot of tension. And I'm told that some of the calmest people you could ever meet, if you take them to a fank and catch them on a bad day, tempers will boil very, very quickly. Or some of the calmest people you'll ever meet you get into a disagreement with them over a, a fence and where it, the post should go in. Tempers will, will very quickly flare. So we can only imagine the tension and the fallouts between the herdsmen of Abram and the herdsmen of Lot. So they try to manage all these flocks in this little area of land. So Abram, seeing all that's going on, he says, that's enough's enough. Uh, we need to spread out a little. There needs to be a, an amicable uh, separation here. But the question was, who goes where? There's going to be a separation. And the land is different in terms of the quality. Uh, who goes where? And what I want us to see is that Abram seems to lose no sleep over that question. And the reason he loses no sleep over whether he goes to the right or to the left is because he's, he's trusting the providence of God. He has promises from God. He believes these promises from God and so he isn't overly disturbed by the outcome of, of this, this decision. And yet Lot has a very different perspective. Uh, it says that when it, comes to, when it came to decision time, Lot looked up, verse 10. But Lot didn't look far enough up. Lot just looked up and he saw the land. Uh, he's looking at the value of the land. Isn't thinking about the, the risks of falling into sin if he, if he parks up too close to, to Sodom. Uh, Lot is only thinking about the risks of losing money and having scrawny sheep. So he makes this decision uh, based on that, just on, on this world's riches, which was unwise. One commentator, Boyce, says, You may think you are different from Lot, but if you have put your job ahead of your family's spiritual life, if you have put your social advancement ahead of proper association with God's people, if you have let the choice of a home keep you from a church where you can grow in faith and worship, you have moved from the highlands to the plains of the Jordan, meaning uh, your decision-making is the same as Lot. Lot's just looking at pounds and pence. 
But Abram is trusting in the Lord. He's trusting in the Lord's providence. And because of that, Abram, when there's this dispute, he doesn't stamp his feet. He doesn't shout about his rights to having the better land because of his seniority. Because strictly speaking, Abraham did have the right to make the decision. Because he was the senior man. But he doesn't use his rights to assert uh, his will. He's a peacemaker. He takes the initiative. Uh, he, he takes the first step in trying to, to bring a resolution. And I suppose there's a, a point in application there for all of us. When we're in difficulties, when we're uh, struggling with tensions of this and that, do we ever take the first step? Husbands, wives, where there's tension. Are we the people who take the first step? Or are we sitting there with our arms folded saying, well, I'm not in the wrong. They can move. Abraham, could have, he could have done that very easily and said, Lot, down the road, I'm the boss here. But he doesn't do that. He, he doesn't insist on his, on his own rights, but he shows grace and he trusts the Lord's providence. Spurgeon says, Providence is the only soft pillow for the anxious heart. And Abram, he's able to trust the Lord. He's able to, to hold on to God's promises. He's able to rest his head on the on the faith that he had in God's providence, that he would make good on the promises that he had made. And that's, that's a lesson that we need to all uh, take on board. Providence, which, boys and girls, just means the way that God works things out in our lives, the way that he orders our lives. Providence is a pillow that we should rest on a bit more. We all need to do uh, less scheming to get our own way. And trust the Lord to take us his way. The final point here very briefly is, is a promise. The Lord said to Abram, verse 14, after Lot parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. And where we finish here is, uh, is God in his grace saying to Abram, remember my promise. You can trust my promise. You might not be able to trust my promises sometimes about seven o'clock, but I'm trying hard. But you can always trust God's promises. And God has made a promise to, to Abraham. And uh, he will keep it. So he says to Abraham, you might be in the, you might be in the, the less fertile part of the, of the land here. Your, your sheep might not be as fat as Lot's sheep are. But remember my promise to you. You're not going to be, you're not going to be shortchanged. Look around. Any direction. And I'm telling you that I will give this land to you and your offspring. That was God's promise, and it's a promise uh, that he kept. And all God's promises are, are kept. And the evidence of that is seen most clearly in Jesus, who would come down the line of the offspring of Abraham, and who through his life and death and resurrection would bring blessing, blessing that comes all the way 
from there back then to here to us tonight if we are believing in Jesus promise and the final thing is prayer I'm not going to give you a point on it just want you to notice it begins with prayer and it ends with prayer Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he built an altar to the Lord where he would be found in prayer and I may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God the Father the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore Amen